Are you ready to invest in yourself today? Welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. Where investment leader Billy Epperhart teaches you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom. Scripture says in Deuteronomy 8.18, Remember the Lord, your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. At Wealth Builders, our goal is to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Wealth Builders podcast. I am so excited that you joined me today. I'm Karen Conrad, Vice President of Wealth Builders. I have the honor and privilege of working for Billy and Becky Epperhart. And we are in our real estate series because we've got the April real estate workshop that's coming up April 22nd to the 24th. And today I am talking about one of my most favorite topics, which is fix and flips. My goodness, I love doing fix and flips. And I think there's probably a few of you out there that enjoy it too or like the idea of it or you want to get started in it. And I think this is going to be really helpful for you. I'm going to be talking about five areas to consider and I'll give you some ideas and some uh, just experiences that we've had. These are five areas that if you pay attention and you do the right things instead of the wrong things, some ways that you can save money to get a look that looks very expensive, you will achieve the ROI or the return on investment that you are looking for. There's a rhythm with investing in real estate that Billy shares with us, and it's very helpful. You know, most of us don't have a bank account that is unlimited. We have a certain amount of cash to get started in real estate investing, and then we have to replace that cash or, you know, hopefully get that cash to grow to be able to continue to invest and buy real estate because it does cost money for down payments. You've got closing costs and certainly there's appreciation in, uh, you know, after a period of time, as a market rises, you can do a cash out refi. But this rhythm that Billy describes that we are doing is get about two to three buy and holds, then do a flip to get a cash infusion, two to three buy and holds. And you kind of follow that to help you to create that wealth that we talk about in Deuteronomy 8.18. So while fix and flips are really fun, I had a wonderful opportunity to work with some of the best when I was in Colorado Springs and I did the listing staging. I learned a lot from them. They are an area of risk if you don't know what you're doing or if you start over improving. And that is a tendency that I can have because I really love the look of things. And I end up kind of falling in love with each property that I do. And that's not always a good thing to do when you're trying to be business minded at the same time. So what I feel we've been able to do with our properties and I'll be sharing with you is ways that you can transform the property, bring that beauty, that creativity that really is something that you can be proud of, but do it in a way that doesn't cost you more money than what you're able to get back out of the property or really anything you invest in the property should give you more than what you put into it, right? We The goal is we wanna make money. We don't wanna just do flips for fun, although they're fun, there's a lot of risk involved. And so we just wanna be good stewards and make sure that the risk that we're taking on is a reward on the other side of it. 
So here's uh, the five areas that I'm going to be covering. I'm going to be talking about curb appeal. I'm going to be talking about the kitchen, the bathrooms, the first seven seconds, and the decor. And that includes things like light fixtures, just some things you can do to just really make it a wow property that brings you a lot of money on the back end. So let's start with the curb appeal. With a coastal cottage, which is the one that we just finished a few months ago and we're actually closing on it with the new buyer next week, it was one of those properties that was definitely an ugly duckling, which is something you're going to pretty much find in every property that you decide that you're going to do a flip on. And here's a reason for it. Like Billy says, you make money when you buy, not when you sell. So when we buy a property to flip, we're not buying those properties that has 10 offers by Friday, right? Because then I'm competing with people that could just move right into that property or maybe some investors that have got a whole crew that are able to turn around the property in a month. And that's just not our model. So we go for those properties that sit there for a little bit. And that was a case with a property that we purchased. It had really ugly orange brick. It had what I call cat poop brown shingles. Uh, and it just wasn't one of those properties that was getting multiple offers. And that's great because that means it's a possibility for you to do the flip to make it beautiful and transform it. So with this property, since the shingles were very ugly, uh, I was quite happy when the inspection came back and it showed that there was damage. However, I knew the price that we were getting the property. I wasn't going to be able to ask the owners to completely replace the roof. I would have got a big no. I just knew it. But what we did offer to do is we offered to split the cost. And you know what? They went for it. So I got a brand new roof in the color that I like. I chose charcoal gray for half the price because we were able to negotiate on that. And that gave me a great foundation to start with before we even closed on the house. Next with the orange brick, I painted the brick. We did alabaster, which is my favorite color on the exterior. And we painted it very well and very thoroughly to create the farmhouse look that I was going for. However, in the classic farmhouse looks, most people have black windows and I didn't want to pay for black windows. They're very expensive and the turnaround time to get them in was really high. So I had to figure out a way to make this property with white windows still have that farmhouse look. So what I did is I went on Wayfair and I purchased the inexpensive vinyl or plastic shutters that come in maybe seven colors. I knew I didn't want to use those colors, but I purchased them in the height that I needed for every window in the house. And then I had the guys paint them a custom color. So if that's been a limitation to actually get the less expensive shutters, the way that you can give it the designer look and make sure that it functions well by using the right kind of paint is to paint those shutters. It takes less than a day, let them dry, and then it looks amazing when you get those on the home. Next, the front porch was really stained, and I'm sure that was a big deterrent for people because it was giving people the idea right away before even going in the front door that these people don't take care of their house. So when you get, it's called concrete stain, but we get the kind that you can't see through, it literally made the front porch and the back patio look brand new 
we used a similar product in the garage because that was also stained and just looked very old. You have to use one with epoxy for the garage. But this whole idea for about 300 bucks made it look like we poured new concrete. That was really exciting for us and probably exciting for you too if you didn't know about it. Next, I had the guys make cedar boxes. So when you're looking at a property, you want to create some depth. You want to create some interest. And one of the ways you can do that is through flower boxes. Uh, but I started to look on Etsy and these flower boxes, the sizes I needed were like $300 each. So I talked the guys into making them for me. They did a great job. I had to make them a little oversized and for a price of about $300 in materials. I had these amazing cedar flower boxes to go on the front. And uh, it just brought a great look. I, I went to Hobby Lobby and I got some really nice looking artificial greenery. You don't want to use the cheap stuff or colors. I do a whole teaching on that, how to make that look good. And then the front door, as I was pricing up front doors, the size of the front door was running about two to $3,000. And that really wasn't in my budget, but I went to a surplus store and they had this door there that was really a patio door where you have one side that you can, it's like a French door that you can secure. And then the other side has a handle that you can open. It fit perfectly in this space. I needed light in there. So I was really glad it had like the pretty grids. I painted it seal skin. It was a showstopper. And so now when you pulled up to that property, even though if you look at the entire exterior, we changed everything about it in looks it only cost us, including landscaping, about $13,000. Big ROI, just some ideas there for the curb appeal. Second, the kitchen. This is one of those rooms that it's a make or break. The kitchen is very important. However, it can be tempting when you flip a house to just decide, oh, we've got to replace all the cabinets. And so when we got this property, the cabinets were very ugly oak color but I noticed something. They were super good quality. They were the same cabinets that the house was built with in the 60s. And I'm telling you, these people knew how to have quality wood in cabinets. Plus, I knew that if I replaced it, it'd be a good $30,000 in the kitchen. So I figured if I could paint it, I could do the decor in a way that actually made those cabinets look like a benefit that they were original. And that's part of why we named it the Coastal Cottage. Because when I looked at the kitchen and realized that I could save about, well, let's see, $27,000 if I painted these cabinets rather than replace them, I built a design around it and a theme for the entire house. So that's what we did. We painted them. We didn't just remove them. One of the problems with this kitchen is that there was not enough space functionally to put in a full-size island, but yet there was too much space for the kitchen, if that makes sense. It was just super awkward. And I'm sure this was one of the other reasons this house didn't sell. So instead of spending the money on getting a permanent island put in and trying to move things around in the house where a normal size island worked. I had a guy build a custom island and in other properties, I actually just bought a like a portable island and we actually have that in our house in South Lake and it looks great. 
that's smaller than the typical island. And it was enough to create a workspace, more counter space. And it made that kitchen look way more functional than it ever had looked. I painted the cabinets alabaster again. I did the walls repose gray, which is beautiful. I did that through the whole house. I switched out the hardware and oftentimes that's all you have to do in the kitchen. And then I made the countertop. I pulled all the countertops off and I made it all quartz. So I did the Calcutta, which is really popular right now. And then on that portable island, I had the same countertop put on. So when you looked in that kitchen, it all looked new, though it was painted because I had the consistency of that new Calcutta quartz and an updated backsplash. So let's just back up here again. I just gave you a bunch of information here quickly. Basically, it was a dated kitchen. It was built in the 60s, and so the oak was actually very solid. I saved $27,000 by painting those cabinets instead of replacing them and then bringing in the updated countertops, backsplash, and we replaced the floor. And then here's another thing. This is a big tip. A lot of houses, when you go in, they've got the fluorescent lights in the kitchen, which just makes it look terrible. I was surprised, and you would be too, how inexpensive you can put canned lights in a home. And that's really seen as an upgrade. So I added a nice light fixture where the fluorescent light was in black iron, which is what I brought through the whole house. It cost me $79 for that light fixture. And I added four cans. And that kitchen now is a showstopper. So definitely a huge ROI on that property, new appliances to give it a new look. And uh, it was really fun. So anyway, I hope that encourages some of you as you look at the kitchen, what to do. All right, let's talk about bathrooms. That's another area that's really important in both the kitchen and the bathrooms. Those can add up quickly. So you want to assess what you absolutely have to do in the bathroom. The master is really important. Also, the guest bathroom is really important. Every bathroom actually is important, but the level at what you need to change it up can vary. So I'm going to give you some ideas that we incorporated that seem like really good decisions. One of them was the vanities in the master were actually not the color we wanted. They're sort of like a cherry wood, but they were very solid. So I had those painted and they fit perfectly in there. I did the alabaster again. And then I had the quartz countertop put on the new sinks, new handles, and it made those old vanities just look absolutely beautiful. One of the temptations when I walk into a property is I look at the old bathtub uh, and this one thankfully was white, but it had some chips in it. And you could have argued that we should pull that out and start over. But, you know, once you start pulling out bathtubs, that can be, get super, super expensive. And it can really bring in some um, demo costs, but also some plumbing costs. So I took this paint that I got at Home Depot that was meant for bathtubs. And in the areas that there were nicks or the areas that there were dings, I used that paint and rubbed it in there where you really didn't see it anymore. And so we were already adding cultured marble around the tub to make it look really nice. We added a shower, so I tied it in, but I was able to save a lot of money in our bathrooms by painting the vanities 
and leaving that tub in place and just taking care of the little nicks. So something to think about. Also in the property that we're working on in Cocoa Beach, it's not quite as high end as a coastal cottage. And so I did have the price for those comped out. They gave me an estimate to take the quartz that we're putting in the kitchen into the bathrooms. But you know what? It was over $2,000 for two bathrooms. So in this case, and this is a good tip for you, instead of thinking that you need to bring that quartz in in all your properties, the cultured marble, when you buy a vanity with cultured marble, nine out of 10 people won't even notice it. And it was perfectly fine for the price point of this newer home that we're working on or this newer project. So a way that you can save money is instead of popping for the top end quartz like you would in your kitchen, just go with the cultured marble that goes oftentimes with the vanity that you can purchase at Home Depot. We picked up one at a surplus store. You'll save hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. Switching out the lights, I think is a no-brainer. People know that makes a big difference. A lot of those properties that you pick up, they've got really icky lights or the cheap ones where the bulbs just kind of screw in, you know, and they come out of the wall. You can get really nice looking vanity lights at Home Depot or Lowe's for $60 and it changes the whole look. And then finally, uh, one of the things that we did in the bathrooms uh, that made a huge difference is mirrors. And what's really in right now is those round mirrors that have got like a vinyl edging on it. So I got those at, I got one set at Lowe's. I got another set at 20% off at Kirkland's that they look amazing. So if you just go and get those round mirrors, get them as big as the space will handle, it is going to give you an updated look in that bathroom that is really beautiful. And so those are some tips for you with the bathroom. Some things that I would really think about not doing, things we chose not to do, is there is pedestal sinks um, that are in the properties that I really didn't like that they didn't have storage. But when I looked at them closely, you know, a lot of times those are secured to the floor. You've got your plumbing attached to the back. So instead of yanking out the pedestal sink and replacing it with something else, I just added shelves, glass shelves above the pedestal sink and even over a towel holder that gives you that counter space for what, 60 bucks for two of them versus having to replace a pedestal sink. So I'm hoping that will help someone. It really makes a big difference. All right, the next one, number four, is first seven seconds. What do you see? When we go into a property, actually my staging book is called this. I have a whole staging system uh, that we do as part of Wealth Builders that's called the first seven seconds. The reason for that is when a potential buyer walks in the property, what you want to pay attention to is what do they see in the first seven seconds because that is going to make or break your sale. Most people make a decision in seven to 10 seconds. So instead of going through the whole house and thinking about, you know, the entire floor plan, making everything perfect, what I do is I start with the first seven seconds. And if I'm going to move walls or do anything significant, I'm first of all going to make sure it's going to give me an ROI. But this is the area that I'm going to spend the money on or maybe some of the construction. So with a coastal cottage, I've never seen so many doors in a house. You walk in, there was a door to the left and this door shut. There was walls. It was very compartmentalized, which you see in the 60s. That's very common. 
However, when I looked at removing all those walls to completely open it up, I would have had to replace the header across the entire span of about half the house. It was thousands of dollars. So I still wanted to create an open look, which you will want to too, because if you're willing to take some of these walls out or you're willing to carve out a space like I'm going to describe to you, most people won't go there. And that's going to bring you a lot of value, someone coming in and being able to see that it's open. What we did is we kept the studs in place that were actually the load-bearing areas of this long wall and also as an area where the electrical was running through. And we cut openings in the non-load-bearing areas and then we just put studs across to kind of create a big wide door frame. So on this big wall, it was probably about 25 feet long we left the electrical in place and so we had three areas where we had sort of like the posts that this stuff ran through to keep the load bearing we opened up those spaces and then i just connected the dots with design to make sure that the rooms all looked like one and when you do that and you bring your flooring in you bring your design elements in as far as like the wall colors your artwork that everything sort of flows together people don't even see that it's still got those columns up. They see it all as one room. And I'm telling you, this was probably the most effective thing that we did with the coastal cottage without spending a lot of money. And that's saying a lot because we, we really overhauled this property. Another thing, and this is going to get your creative juices flowing here. Uh, when we go in and we purchase a house, just like when you walk in, people have different rooms kind of set up. You can see like, oh, this was their dining room. This was their formal living room. This was their family room. And we tend to stay stuck in that. But I want to challenge you to rethink the arrangement of those rooms. So I'll just share with you really quick the project that we're working on now when you come into the front of the house, this is the one in Cocoa Beach, and you look to the left, it's just one big room. <laughs> There's no interest to it at all. It's just a big room. And probably 99.9% .9 of people, and I thought this at first too, are like, okay, that's a family room. As I started studying the property more, and I started walking through as if I lived there, I realized, wow, you know what? One of the big deterrents of this property is that the dinette is super small and the kitchen is laid out in a galley style that doesn't allow us to have like a counter with stools because the side door of the house would literally walk right into that space. It just doesn't work. So I was trying to think about how I could overcome this really small dinette because it wasn't big enough for any sizable family to be able to have their Thanksgiving meals in or a family dinner, uh, it would be really tight. And then I started looking at that family room area more and I thought, you know what? If I take this end of that and I create a dining room, no walls, okay, stay with me here. I'm not building walls. I create a dining room space and then the family room behind it, I just created an additional room in this house without adding any walls at all or an addition. So how do you do that? 
You do that through thinking through how to arrange the furniture. So I was thinking through that, bringing in the electric fireplace rather than the built-in. That's another big thing because that electric fireplace goes with you, but a lot of people don't see that. And then creating room space through arrangement of furniture and like a sofa table and then adding a light fixture in this space. So I have a chandelier coming down. I just added a formal dining room without doing anything. So these are the types of things that when you go through the property and ask the Holy Spirit to help you, what do you see here? What's the purpose of this room? So I mixed up rooms in the coastal cottage as well because the flow wasn't, wasn't good. And I rearranged it just through lighting, okay, and through furniture arrangement that gave it a completely different purpose that was a hindrance to the property beforehand. So anyway, that's a lot of creativity and I'll be sharing a lot more of these details with you at the workshop. So just uh, just know like you, you'll learn more about this and I would love to hear about your flips as well. Finally, number five, the decor is really, really important. This is not a place for us to make it like our house, okay? This is a place for us and a time for us to look at certainly what is beautiful that we like, but what is going to appeal to the people that are potentially going to be buying the house. So I'm going to be sharing some things with you that I think are really good tips and tricks for you to incorporate into your design that's going to yield you significant ROI in your flip properties. Again, my favorite colors as far as paint, these are Sherwin-Williams, is alabaster, which I do all the trim work, kitchen cupboards, uh, accent walls, repose gray, which I do most all of the walls, and seal skin. Alabaster also works great uh, if you go to a house and there's paneling, which was the case with the coastal cottage. You walk in, it's brown paneling kind of screaming at you. Initially, I thought I'd have to replace it in sheetrock it, but you know what? I painted it with alabaster and it looks beautiful. It looks like vertical shiplap. So that's just a tip for you when you go in. Don't just turn around or figure you automatically have to get rid of uh, the paneling. Next, black fixtures. When you are doing a flip, you're really going after a statement. You want some, some drama right? When they walk in, you want their senses to just come alive when they walk into the space because that's going to emotionally draw them to the house. So I like using black light fixtures uh, when I can. And it just is, it's beautiful, especially with the colors that I described. And you can also switch out if you have existing doors that maybe you're just painting, you can switch out the hinges in that door and the doorknobs to black they'll look brand new without you having to buy new doors. Flooring is really important. What I see a lot right now, and, and it looks great, don't get me wrong, I like it, is a lot of people are using gray floors. Uh, so it might be you know, gray vinyl, it might be gray ceramic, and then they have gray walls. I think it's pretty, but what I'm finding is that when there's gray, 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 it's cold feeling and people don't even know it. So one tip that I would give you is to get something in the middle. 
that's not like super brown because that can look outdated, but don't go completely with the cool gray. Something like Memphis Oak, which is what we did that I had at, at Home Depot. I got it and it's a laminate that looks good with gray and looks good with browns, but it's something that gives warmth to the room and uh, gives it a little charm. It gives it a little character. And then you can bring in those beautiful grays and so that you've always got a little warmth with those cool colors. Uh, also, we had a big fireplace in this property that was that, you got it, orange brick. And what we decided to do is a smearing technique. Now you can do this yourself and the materials to smear is about a hundred bucks. So you can keep the character of something like the fireplace, but you can cut the orange or cut the ugly brick and work with it to create a really nice look in your property. And finally, stage the home. It is a huge difference maker. I do a whole teaching on this and uh, have a whole series on it actually. And it can, according to statistics, give you a 10 to 15% ROI on your investment in staging. It's what I like to say makes a house feel like a home. So I hope this has been fun for you all. There's so much more that we could cover, but these are five areas along with some of the things we've learned for you to go into your fix and flip and ensure success and to bring that strong ROI or return on investment. Again, join us, Billy and Becky. Want to invite you personally uh, to be a part of the Wealth Builders Real Estate Workshop, April 22nd to the 24th. It's available by live stream only, but I assure you it's a quality live stream. And if you're interested, you won't be disappointed. It's amazing. Go to wealthbuilders.org slash events. Also, we've got Wealth Builders University where we put a lot of this training, video training, along with templates and PowerPoints available for you for just $299 a year. It is such a great deal. I'm so grateful that Wealth Builders that we've been, in, uh, been able to invest in this and provide you this learning platform. So to learn more about that, go to wbuniversity.online. And if you do the annual subscription, you get to be part of our live mastermind call once a month with different speakers and our coaches. So thank you so much for spending part of your day with us today in the Wealth Builders podcast. Again, I'm so grateful that you joined us. Billy and Becky send their love to you. And uh, we look forward to seeing all of you at the workshop and make it a great rest of the day. God bless. We hope you learned something of lasting value today from this Wealth Builders podcast. If you'd like any tools, teachings, or resources mentioned in the podcast, you'll find them online at wealthbuilders.org. Wealth Builders exist to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. Wealth Builders is a nonprofit organization. We depend on your donations to keep this podcast running. Please consider donating to us on wealthbuilders.org.